you know, one of the things that was important to us, and I learned this a long time ago, and I don't know who told me this, but somebody, and this made an impression on me, but, you know, they said gross income is vanity, net income is sanity, but cash is king. And, and one of the biggest reasons that franchisors and franchisees fail is they're not capitalized well enough. Welcome to Franchise Empires, where aspiring entrepreneurs learn exactly what it takes to become a successful franchise owner from one location to 10 and beyond. I'm the Wolf of Franchises. Hey everyone, it's the Wolf. Today in the show, we have Todd Bingham of Top Rail Fence, an emerging franchise that, as the name implies, is in the fencing category of home services. Fencing franchises seem to be emerging as a new category in franchising, with a few new brands showing great economics. So in this episode, I dive in with Todd on how this business works and what it's like to be a franchisee. His brand is also part of Homefront Brands, a platform franchisor, which, if you recall, we had Jeff Duden, the CEO of Homefront, on this show a few weeks back. Todd gives us insight into how being a part of Homefront's platform is an edge for him and all his franchisees. If you're interested in home services franchises, this is a great episode for you. Enjoy. The Wolf of Franchises is the CEO of Wolfpack Franchising, as well as a creator at Workweek Media. All opinions expressed by the Wolf and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Wolfpack Franchising or Workweek. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. The Wolf, Workweek and Wolfpack Franchising may maintain positions in the franchises discussed on this podcast. Want to own a business that brings out the childlike wonder in all? Wonderly Lights is an outdoor lighting company looking for eager franchise owners to brighten communities across the U.S. With the flexibility to be a seasonal or year-round business and a low investment cost, this is an incredible, easy-to-learn, and easy-to-scale opportunity you won't want to miss out on. Go to wonderlyfranchise.com to find out more about becoming an owner. That's wonderlyfranchise.com for more info. Look, I know you're obviously you're the president of Top Rail. A lot of questions. I'm not super familiar with fencing. I doubt much of my audience really is. Can you kind of just explain, you know, we'll get into the story of how you became president for all the franchising stuff. But, you know, if I'm a franchisee, what is this business? What am I doing for my customers? Yeah. So the essence of franchising in particular, especially now the version of franchising is where franchisees often come to us when they want to build a big business. They don't necessarily have to have any experience in the actual discipline or the product that they're selling. And so for us, our franchisees typically come from some sort of business background and they're looking to grow a business in an area, okay, specifically in an area. And they're looking for a little bit of help to do that, which is why they don't necessarily always have to have the experience. So what they're doing for the customers though, is pretty simple, especially in the fencing business. This is a customer service job, right? You're solving a need for somebody. And it's usually, in a lot of cases, it's not even necessarily a want. It's mostly a need. Somebody needs to keep something in or something out. There's a lot of reasons why people will get a fence. And so we take the approach that we want to be very educational and consultative in our in dealing with our customers, meaning the fact we want to listen. Okay? We really talk to our franchisees about not showing up on site, spending 15 minutes, doing a quick measure around the yard and say, okay, here's the price for a fence. We want to solve a problem. And that's really been good for our franchisees. And so, you know, dealing with our customers is very much a customer service approach, solving a problem, 
whatever problem that is that they need. And, you know, that's really the difference between getting a five-star review and a four-star review and really able to grow your referrals and through all of that organic search stuff that, you know, that, that people do when you go online, when anytime you need anything nowadays, especially in the service space, what do you do? You grab your phone, you Google what it is, you pick one of the top three or four top spots at the top based on the reviews. So customer service is really and truly what this business is. Because just quite frankly, everybody installs fences the same way. You dig holes in the ground, you put posts in the ground, you attach rails and pickets. I mean, that's what everybody does that. Yeah. It's how you finish those jobs. It's how you follow up after. And it's how you get to that point on the front end, you know, like I said, of being consultative and educational during that process with the customer. I'm sure it's not simple, but is it, is the whole business just going to homes and installing fences and that could that be i mean is it like the classic wooden picket fences almost that are around yards or you do metal and other types of fences yeah, we do so we do them all so we can install fences that are wood vinyl chain link ornamental ornamental often means aluminum or something along those lines so we do all different kinds of styles and it's largely residential at first then moves into the commercial part of it so it's a simple business in theory I mean, anything running your own business is not necessarily simple, but yes, the idea of a business is fairly simple. I think there's a difference. The concept is simple, but execution, folks, rarely, if ever, easy in a business. Right, that's correct. That's the distinction I'm going for. But okay, all right, interesting. So, well, let's talk about kind of your journey to this point. I mean, I know Topperell off to a great start in franchising, over 20 territories sold, I believe. You know, how did this start for you? I believe you've kind of been in this arena for a few decades, even if Top Rail's maybe not a decade old yet. But, you know, where did this journey to president of Top Rail kind of begin? For me, it started 16, 17 years ago. I was an IT director of information technology for a franchise consulting slash, we often refer to them as brokers company. At my time there, got to learn from a lot of really smart people, really a lot of people that had a lot of history in franchising. And so I learned a lot and became the vice president of operations there. Again, learning more and more, not only from the leadership there, but from those consultants and those franchisees that we had, eventually became the president of that company and then was able to, within that company, start another division that was franchise development that worked with young franchise companies or companies that were not franchises at that time and helped them to become a franchise or to help them increase their footprint through franchise development and had some success, was able to join a company based out of Central Texas about six years ago now, I guess, or maybe almost seven. And at that time, it had a single brand and we grew that from around 30 locations or so to nearly 400 before equity company came in and acquired it. And during that five or six years, we were able to acquire three other franchise companies. Two of those I was a partner in and was able to also sell those off to that same equity company that purchased that. And they formed a holding company very much like our platform, what we're calling platform brands now, which is like Homefront Brands. Yeah. And last year, was able to reconnect with Jeff Duden, who had posted some stuff on LinkedIn about starting Homefront Brands. And I'd known Jeff for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. We connected, went to Charlotte to meet him and the team and talk about that role. And that role specifically was to become the president of their new fence company. At that time, it had didn't have a name. We affectionately called it Fenceco at the time. And, and that name actually stuck after we even came up with the name Top Rail. 
you would hear people around the office and online still calling it Fisco just because that's what we had, you know, kind of used for so long. And when I went down to meet Jeff, got to meet the team, got to really see and hear what they were doing. It was just an absolute no-brainer for me. I, know, I think even Jeff told me before we left, he said, go home and think about it. And I'm, I don't need to think about this. This is something that makes uh, complete sense for me. And, and it's just been a tremendous ride up to this point. But yeah, it came to president last year, right after we acquired the business. And we've just, we've not looked back. And as you said, and I don't know if this is one of your next questions or so, but we, you know, we launched as a franchise in December of last year. So December of 2022. Yeah, that's when we got our document done. That's when we got our FDD, or franchise disclosure document completed. And that kind of makes you official with becoming a franchise. And you still have to register in a few states, but we became official in December of last year. And like you said, we have now 21 or so locations open. We have training next week where we launch about eight or nine new locations. And so the growth is happening fairly quickly. So it's, I mean, it's been seven, eight short months, I guess now. And so growth is happening fairly quickly at the moment. That's fantastic. Listeners will remember that we just had Jeff on the podcast a few weeks ago talking about Homefront brands. So just based on your knowledge of the franchise ecosystem and working with brands, what could you say about, we heard Jeff's perspective, but I think it would be interesting to just hear more granularly from you being a president of TopRail, working with franchisees, some of the value add that you wouldn't have within TopRail if you weren't a part of this greater ecosystem that is home from brands. Like Jeff mentioned some technology stuff, I think, but would love to kind of hear what you're seeing from your side. Yeah, certainly, you know, in a platform brand, the shared services matter. So we're able to deliver, and I don't know if more services is the right way to put it, but we're able to deliver services at a cheaper cost to the franchisees, maybe a bigger, a more variety, maybe might be the best way to put it. Like, and I'll give you an example. Like we have a call center, you know, so our franchisees, when they first launch, oftentimes that's a crazy time for them. You know, they come out of training, they're trying to get their business going up and running and they're managing all the things that you have to manage with becoming a business owner. And there's a little bit of uneasiness, maybe nervousness, there's excitement, all of those things kind of start happening. You want to get out on a job site. You want to start talking to customers. Again, we're teaching them how to do this type of sales process. And what happens? You forget to answer the phone or you don't get a chance to answer the phone. Well, we know in today's world, when somebody needs something at their home, specifically in the, like the property service, we've already talked about this. They Google that, they find a location, they call that number. And then guess what? If you don't answer, what do they do? They call the next one on the list. And so the call center is very important to our business and to our brand because we get we answer the phone. I think our latest statistics said we answer over 93% of those calls and we want to shorten that gap even further. Like that doesn't need to be 7% left unanswered. And that goes to a voicemail, but, and we call them back, but we want to answer them on that first ring that they come into our business and their first experience. And we want to ask them what they're looking for. We want to talk to them about what's the best time to come out. Is that tomorrow between, you know, nine and 10? Great. Let's go ahead and get you on the calendar. So while that franchisee or those salespeople are out, communicating with customers, going through the proper sales process that we ask them to do, or we teach them how to do. Somebody's answering the phone. Somebody's putting appointments on the calendar. And we know in this business, if you get, if you're the first one on to deliver an estimate, you have a much better chance of winning that job. And so those are the type of things that are very important and that what we deliver at home program. Maybe some other people don't, uh, not that they don't want to, but that we can being a brand or a platform that's got multiple brands. And you probably heard Jeff say, he talks about being a responsible franchisor and platform and we want to do things right. I mean, so 
those are the types of things that we want to bring forward to our franchisees. Again, that other franchisors might not be able to. Again, not that they don't want to, but they just might not be able to. Look, franchising might sound great in theory, but once you get into the discovery process, the idea of selecting and starting any new business can feel overwhelming. That's why I'm excited to introduce a simple-to-learn, simple-to-scale franchise opportunity. Wonderly Lights is an outdoor lighting franchise making local communities a bit brighter by providing premier lighting solutions to their clients. And they're currently seeking franchisees to operate new locations across the U.S. With the flexibility to provide seasonal or year-round lighting services, this is a great addition to an existing portfolio or to operate as a standalone business. Plus, it's backed by the expertise and guidance of parent company, Buzz Franchise Brands. To learn more, visit wonderlyfranchise.com for more info. That's wonderlyfranchise.com. I think the platform kind of franchise play, right? It allows all the brands within it to basically have access to greater resources than like an individual brand couldn't simply couldn't afford or just might not make sense at this early of a stage where you're a barely a year into franchising where you make sense to invest in something like like that until your system's bigger so there's definitely some unique advantages which is pretty cool to hear about how jeff and homefront is is running it but back to top rail as a franchisee i mean what are the major inputs to this business i'm trying to figure it out because i mean there's a few other fencing brands i've seen and just you know like yours as well have pretty impressive like revenue numbers relative to the investment and startup costs so is this a job that requires skilled labor at all or is acquiring like the materials for the fencing a big part of this? And like, even I'm thinking, I mean, are you guys putting together the fences? Like it, surely they're not shipping you like massive, <laughs> a massive, right. you know, right? Like, so can you kind of just talk about just what it's like as a franchisee? Yeah. Like, are, do you have like a warehouse where you got to store all this equipment or not equipment, but just the fencing material, basically? Like, how does this all work? Let me kind of start at the beginning. And I think when I, the way I answer this question will tie all of those together for you. But one of the things that when we were putting together the model that summer to fall, you know, one of the things that was important to us, and I learned this a long time ago, and I don't know who told me this, but somebody, and this made an impression on me, but, you know, they said gross income is vanity, net income is sanity, but cash is king. And and one of the biggest reasons that franchisors and franchisees fail is they're not capitalized well enough. And so, like I said, that made a huge impression on me 10 plus years ago. It's the way that I've kind of thought about business, specifically in franchising and how we deal with our franchisees, even in personal, like life as well, you know, that we kind of follow that path. So one of the things that as we were putting this together, we kind of followed that thought process and we want to make sure that our franchisees are capitalized well. Well, what that means is it's not always somebody that comes to us that has a couple of million dollars in the bank. That, like that's, Yes, that's nice. And that certainly helps when you go and start down the path of business ownership. That certainly helps. But there's also good business owners that maybe not doesn't have that. And so we want to make sure and we were trying to make sure that we allowed those people that could be potential business, good business owners, a path to business ownership and a path to franchising and a path to freedom and a path to a lot of the things that business ownership and franchising allows you to be. And so with that, we come up with a model. And that we, we that doesn't require a large warehouse. So it doesn't require a large overhead for franchisee right out of the gate. Because what happens? You start off and all of a sudden you've got X amount of dollars, whatever that is, in certain parts of the country, real estate and renting places is a lot more expensive. 
and it's cheaper in some markets, more expensive in others. So, I mean, you could come up with a significant overhead from day one, and all you're doing is spending dollars on those type of services when at first you may not have any business to do or the jobs may be small or revenue may be fast and maybe slow, you know, who knows what that is, but we want to try to set the franchisees up for a success as best we could. And so we don't require them to have a large warehouse. We don't require them to go get flatbed trucks, the haul equipment around and all the other things that you need within that warehouse and hire employees. We have our model was formed that we do want you to have a small storage facility because you will have to store some material. Yeah. You will have some overages sometime on jobs that, you know, a few pickets or a few post caps or latches and hinges and things like that. And you will have that you can store. And if like my wife wouldn't appreciate me storing all that in my garage. And so you want somewhere to put that that's not at the home. And to where also some people can actually come and get that stuff if they need it, like your installers and things like that. So yes, we don't require that, but it does. It is nice to have a small storage facility. Again, doing our best to kind of shrink that overhead, keep that low, so that franchisees have less of a nut to cover each and every month, especially early on. And with that, yes, that means that you don't have any kind of like employees to start out, unless you hire, say, a general manager or something along those lines. And a lot of our franchisees do. So our franchisees. We'll have a general manager that has some uh, general manager, meaning somebody that's running that business. So we do have a lot of ex- what I like to call executive model owners who don't work full time in the business. They either have another career, another job, another business that they're doing. So they put the right people in place. Usually it starts with sales and, and operations. And so they will the hire a general manager that runs the operations of the business, ordering supplies. But to your point about skilled labor, the installers do need to be skilled and skilled labor, very specific. And so we, instead of going out and hiring those people and trying to teach them and have that learning curve, we suggest that you follow what we call internally the subcontractor model, where you look for local fence installers and there's a bunch of them out there. Okay. So some people always say, well, I don't know who does that. There's a lot of people that do that in the local market. You just don't know them. You don't see them generally. And then you create a relationship contractually, mostly on that 1099 or contract basis. And so the idea is that you have a quick path to revenue. And what I mean by that is you can come out of training, get your first estimate. On day one, you go do the estimate. You can, in theory, collect revenue and in a couple of weeks, go install a job. And it doesn't require a large learning curve or time to be able to do that. So we can create a quick path to revenue. Now, over time... As your revenue grows, you get to a certain part of that business, like an evolution of your business, you know, commercial work may start to become something that you start taking on or larger commercial jobs, larger residential jobs that may require a warehouse, may require some fabrication of some materials, stuff like that. Yeah. After about a year, we want to start sitting down with the franchisees individually, look at their personal situation and say, okay, where are we at in terms of revenue? Where are you at in terms of evolution of your business? Does it make sense now that we go to that warehouse space, we start getting the forklifts and the trucks, start hiring in-house crews? Because there is a point where an in-house crew does make sense financially in terms of the margin on the service to have that as opposed to a subcontractor. So we want to work with those franchisees to make sure that they're making the right decision within their business. Again, trying not to layer on as much or overhead. Yes, the franchisor, we get paid on top line revenue, but if you don't have a healthy bottom line revenue... You won't be around for very long. And so that's what we try to focus on as the franchisor. A lot of good stuff in there. And it seems like a scalable business from the franchisee level where you kind of 
start out low cost of operating expenses. And then as your business and maybe inbounds and customer requests increase, then you can kind of scale accordingly. And what are you seeing really in this market, like across the board? Are a lot of customers or a lot of the requests, you know, right? If you're installing a fence, is it like a new house was built and the residential contractor saying, hey, we want a fence on this property? Or is it people already in their homes and for whatever reason, which I don't even like, maybe they just got a pool in and they're like, hey, I need a fence now. So like no random kid just walks in and jumps in my pool. What's the typical kind of nature of these installations? Yeah, so that's a good point. I mean, you're right about the pool situation. And largely that's driven by insurance. You know, insurance companies will require yes a fence to be around the pool. And so that does happen. But to answer your question, it's a combination of new construction and old. I mean, we do, depending on, it also sometimes depends on the market as well, but depending on the market, you may see upwards of 60% of the installs will involve some sort of tear out, a tear down and tear out all the way on the front end, meaning they've got an old fence. It's been up for 15, 20 years and they need to replace it. And so we'll tear that down and install a new fence. And so it's a combination of all of that. Now, you know, what is happening and what does happen is, as we know, or I know I'm aware of this because I'm a dog lover, you know, it seems like everybody now has a dog or, and is getting more than one dog. So oftentimes what comes to us is kids and pets. So, you know, they are, they've got a new animal, they've got, or had a new baby or a kid that's growing up, you know, it's coming from a baby to something that's, you know, a little human that's going to play outside. And so they want to keep them in. Fencing also involves security purposes too, you know, keeping people out of something out there too. Like the pool is a perfect example of that, or just keeping people from going through. And I heard actually last night, I was eating dinner with, with a supplier that's one of our suppliers and he said, fences make great neighbor. And so there's a little bit of that as well. So the privacy fence exists, maybe try to block a neighbor's view or keep a neighbor, you know, kind of some distance from a neighbor, if you will. I guess there's uh a lot of reasons that someone might want a fence and even just hearing kind of the knock-on effects of this boom in the pet industry, that's pretty fascinating to see that it's probably is giving a boost to your business because like you said, I mean, everyone's getting dogs. That's something I've talked about a lot and had plenty of pet franchisors and or franchisees on this show over the last year. So yeah, that's a connection I didn't expect to make, but uh, it's pretty interesting. Well, you're new to this or new. I mean, you're a year into the franchising. Obviously had a lot of success so far. You got a great support system with Homefront behind you. So is there any short-term and or long-term goals that you have with Top Rail as far as do you think this can be in every market across the country? Just can, can you give us some insight into your ideal growth roadmap? Yeah. And I will tell you a little bit of kind of look under the hood here a little bit is, you know, we've exceeded our goal already for 2023. So I guess let me phrase it this way. And you may have heard Jeff say this, you know, on a previous episode as well, because we think a lot alike. We've talked, we've actually talked about this and, and a lot of people shared. So this is not a unique kind of viewpoint here. A lot of people share this, but, you know, we would rather have 250 franchisees that are all doing very well as opposed to have 500 of them doing average. I think that's most franchisors share that same kind of thought. And I think that's certainly true for us as well, is that we really want to have high performing franchisees are all doing well. We all, we know that there's a portion of franchisees that just won't make it for whatever reason, you know, that there's a lot of personal circumstances start happening. It's a, you know, I, I've always heard it's like the three D's of franchising, death, divorce, and disease, you know, often contribute to somebody, you know, having a rough time, a rough go at it. 
but we want to have a large footprint. And yes, I do believe this works in every market in the United States and possibly other countries as well. So, you know, we want to do something responsible and grow the brand across the United States first. It's probably our first directive. And then we want to have good, healthy franchisees, which again, what I explained just a few minutes ago about, you know, having them have a small storage facility and go the subcontractor route helps contribute to what our overall goal is, which is having a large number of very successful, profitable franchisees in our system. That That's really and truly our goal. There is a sign in our office down in Huntersville that says, always do what's right by the franchisee. And and uh, that's really true that we follow that mantra and, and, you know, that thought process in our business. And that trickles down to each of the individual brands, certainly does in our top rail business as well. So we want to have a large footprint, obviously, across the country and one that is done responsibly. And we want to have happy a profitable franchisees that's really important to us. I love the vision. And it's kind of like you said, I mean, there are, and this goes for a lot of home services categories is there's definitely like on a local level, a lot of companies that are doing this, but are they doing it at a high enough level where they're answering the phone, they have the call centers, they're showing up in the first couple of results of Google. It sounds simple in concept, but once you execute it, I mean, it makes a massive difference for the business. So it'll be fascinating to watch your growth. And I mean, I think you guys are going to have a bright future just given the start. And uh, again, that support system, you know, it's almost not really a fair fight for some of the local competitors, I don't think. <laughs> but, <laughs> it, right. you know, it's good for the franchisees and you guys, of course. So, um, yeah, look, Todd, this has been a fun conversation. It's been interesting to learn about the world of fencing. And yeah, if there's anywhere where people can follow either you or Top Rail, what are the best places online to do so? Yeah, so Top Rail, we're toprailfence.com online and Top Rail Fence on all the social channels as well. So just look us up there. You can certainly follow me on LinkedIn. I am Todd Bingham on LinkedIn. Would love to connect with you. Love to learn. You know, I'm learning every day from our leadership at Homefront Brands. So I want to, would love to connect with as many different people out there on in the business world, the franchising world, and even beyond that, to also learn and get different perspectives. I think that's really important. And so come find me. We'll plug Todd's LinkedIn and Top Rail, the franchise website in the show notes if you want to check it out or, or give them a follow and yeah thanks todd this was fun and we'll talk soon it was fun thanks for having me thanks for listening to franchise empires we're coming to you soon with actionable insights to take the next step on your franchise journey so make sure to subscribe on apple spotify google or wherever you listen 